6, 1 to 8. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear you, mountain, the Lord accusations. Listing you everlasting foundation of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you. Also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Boah, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous act of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn from my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sins of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, to act justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Thank you. So we're thinking at the moment about finding the heart of God. And if we're going to find the heart of God, then our heart will beat with what his heart is beating with. Wednesday night I was in a pub in Rustall playing jazz in a jam session and first set we played and um, the first tune was called and uh, it was we're going to play The Days of Wine and Roses. And I thought, well, I, I know The Days of Wine and Roses, and I've played it many, many times. No problem, I said. Easy. So the band started playing, and then I came in with the tune. Except I didn't play The Days of Wine and Roses. I played Have You Met Miss Jones? <laughs> Which is in the same key, similar jazz standard, um, and I played that and played the tune and did a solo around it. I thought it sounded okay. And it was only when the trombone player said, I thought we were playing Days of Wine and Roses. I looked at him and I thought, that's not Days of Wine and Roses, is it? The band, because they were so good, they would just change the chords. They played the, the right chords behind me, so I didn't even notice. It's not jazz. All right, we'll have a conversation later. That is not jazz. So what was required of me was to play the Days of Wine and Roses. However, what I delivered <laughs> was, have you met Miss Jones? Which is fine, but it wasn't what was required. <laughs> and we did have a laugh later at my expense. But um, do you know the question we've got to ask whenever we do something, what is required of us? What is required of me in this situation? Perhaps you've applied for a job and you thought, what will be required of me in this job? Is it the hours? You know, is it, what is the job description? What is required? 
And when it comes to our relationship with God, we might want to ask, what is required of us before God? What does God really want? What is he after? What is he looking for? And Micah um, cites some ridiculous examples. Sure, well, does God want me to sacrifice thousands and thousands of animals? I mean, actually, that's what King Solomon did in, in a worship service in the temple. Is that what God is after? Does he want me to uh, pour out you know, masses, rivers of oil? Shall I sacrifice my own child? You know, the ancient religions would often require child sacrifice. Is that what God is after? What does God require? Shall I come before him with all these things? What does God require? Well, do you know what? First thing I want to say is, what God requires, actually, God has already provided. <laughs> what he requires, we can't fulfill it, so he's provided it for us. We've been singing today about the incredible things God has done for us. And this is the gospel, and this is why we come to church, to remind ourselves that it's not all about us. That it's all about what God has done and is doing for us. The gospel message says that God loves you and you can't do anything to earn his favor. So what does God require of you? Just to come. To fix your eyes on what God has done. And actually Micah says that in this passage. He reminds them what he has done for them. I brought you up out of Egypt. I redeemed you from the land of slavery. Remember what I've done. The historic stuff I've done for you. You know, some people question what is God really like? You know, if there is a God, what's he like? Well, one way to, to know is to re be reminded of what he's done in the past. Just last week, uh, where is she? Mary, I can't see her now. But uh, she came up and gave a testimony. And this week, I was reminded of the testimony that Mary gave last Sunday. I was reminded of what God's been doing in her life. And that blessed me because I thought, yeah, God is good. God is setting people free. He's doing amazing things. Remember the works that God has done. Remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Baal, answered. Now, we've got a problem when we read this because we don't remember because we don't know this story very well. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of Balaam's donkey. He was the donkey who talked, just like Shrek, okay? Think of Shrek. <laughs> so what happened in this story was that Balak, who was the king of Moab, was rather intimidated, good to see you too, rather intimidated by the Israelites who were camping in his territory, expanding, and they were a bit of a threat. He was afraid of the Israelites. So he called the prophet Balaam to come and put a curse on these Israelites. Will you curse them? And one of Balaam's journeys towards Balak, he's on his donkey, and the donkey's like, no, I'm not moving. That could have been, well, the donkey's just stubborn. But no, in actual fact, the donkey saw an angel. 
donkey saw an angel of the Lord. I wonder sometimes with our pets, do they see something I can't see? Is our ancient dog Louis seeing something we can't see when he's barking ridiculously? <laughs> but the donkey of Balaam saw the angel of the Lord. Now eventually God opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord blocking the way. And three times Balak tries to get Balaam to curse God's people. But Balaam says, I, I, I can only do what God tells me to do. I can only say what God tells me to say. And God says to him, you can't curse these people because they're blessed. Remember how God has protected you. Remember what God has done for you. Sometimes it's only when we look in the rear view mirror, isn't it? That we say, ah, I see what God was doing. In the midst of it, we don't, we don't always recognize the action of the Holy Spirit. But looking back, we say, I, I can see God was leading me on a journey. It says here, remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal. Now again, we think, yeah, I don't really remember that. But amazingly, after the story of Balaam and his donkey and all the rest of it, is the story of Shittim, where actually the people of God sinned against him. They committed adultery with the Moabite women. They committed idolatry and worshipped false gods. And there was a judgment because of that. But God didn't give up on his people and he took them on a journey to this place, Gilgal, which was on the other side of the River Jordan. God gave them the promised land and at Gilgal, they celebrated the Passover. They celebrated God with them. Remember your journey. Are there places in your life where you associate that place with a certain experience? You know, I went once to, you know, wherever it was, I don't know, Hastings, let's just say. And that's what happened there. It might be something good, it might be something not so good. You associate a place with an experience, and maybe even an experience of God. Remember the journey that God brought you on from this place to that place. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I get frustrated with myself. Does anyone get frustrated with themselves? Just me? No, one or two others. I get frustrated with myself. But I need to remember the journey God's brought me on. I'm not who I was. When I left home, uh, my uh, parents moved house. And I remember coming um, home one summer, painting their fence, because they'd just moved, and painting their fence. And as I was painting their fence, I was completely consumed uh, with a relationship with this girl that had just gone wrong, um, you know, and it was, it was just eating me up. I was so gutted. And uh, as I thought back to that this week, I thought, well, actually, think of the journey God has brought you on, Dan. You know, I've been married to this wonderful woman for 22 years, nearly. Remember your journey. So we do this to remember God, to remember what he has done. And we take communion every uh, month in this church. We come together to remember the gospel and that it's all about what God has done for us. So what does God require? Well, God has provided what he requires. But in response to that, there is something that we can do. And there are three things mentioned in this passage that Oge read to us. 
Firstly, to act justly. Secondly, to love mercy. And thirdly, to walk humbly with our God. I find often people of faith go down rabbit holes. Do you ever go down a rabbit hole? You know, again, our beagle getting a mention. He's coming to the end of his days. Our beagle, Louis, 16 and a half. But he would go down rabbit holes, or he tried to. You know, if you go down a rabbit hole, you can get stuck, can't you? And I think sometimes people of faith go down rabbit holes. They go down and they take wrong turns. And they get focused on things that are a distraction. They, they should be going this way, when in fact they end up going this way. I find YouTube is a great place to go down rabbit holes. There's a lot of rabbit holes on YouTube. And the more you go down one rabbit hole, YouTube will go, oh, you like that rabbit hole? Here's another rabbit hole. <laughs> and then before you know it, you know, you can't get out. You're like, oh. A passage like this is so helpful to us because it brings us back to the, what is actually really important. God has shown you, it says here, what is good. Actually, it's just really obvious. It's actually really simple. It's not that complicated. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. It's kind of simple. And if God's people actually just did this, we'd see transformation everywhere. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Acting justly is to show kindness to everyone, is to show impartiality, is to have a passion and a heart for justice. We see it in small places, we see it in our workplace. You'll be aware of injustices in a workplace. You'll be aware of injustices even in a family. You know, one child is favoured over another. Injustice, like... Is just everywhere. I was thinking about the end of World War One, when the Germans were finally defeated, and the Allies they met in Versailles and they made them made this deal with the Germans, but they punished the Germans too much. The Allies were not just towards the losing side, and what that meant was it sowed seeds, unfortunately, for World War II. We've got to act justly. Do justice. Love mercy. That word for mercy, it can mean so many things. It actually is the word for love as well. Love, love. <laughs> love, love. Love, covenant love. Love, steadfast love. Love, commitment love. Love mercy. It's actually really simple. God just calls us to love each other. That is it. You know, sometimes we might say, well, what do I require of church? We bring a consumer mindset. We say, well, I, well, I require the, the worship band to play in tune. I require them to sing these kinds of songs. I require the sermon not to go on too long, please. 
I require at least the central heating to work. I require filter coffee, not instant coffee. I require this. I require that. I require lots of people my age. I require... What does God require? Well, just love people. You might come to church. This might be your first time here. You you might think, what is required of me? Do I have to dress smart in church? Do I have to sit? Do I have to stand? Do I have to... What, what do I expected of me? What's expected is just to love people. <laughs> and be loved as well. Love, mercy. And then walk humbly with your God. This is about relationship. Because at the end of the day, God is God in relationship. And who does he want a relationship with? You me that's what God is looking for he's looking for people who are hungry for a relationship with him walk humbly with your God Adam and Eve before the fall walked with God in the garden God is looking now for people to just walk with him. Walk in his presence. If I'm walking humbly with my God, I'm saying, Lord, which way are you leading me? You know, am I playing the right tune here or am I on autopilot? What are your ways? What is your way that you're leading me in this week? I might have got it wrong, actually. I'm not just going to do the same old, same old, same old, because it's what I do. Now I'm going to walk humbly with my God. Now, none of that will impress God, none of that will earn his favor, but it's what we do as a response to what he's already done for us. We do sometimes sweat the small stuff, don't we? But God is just saying, don't worry about it. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. So I, I know God is here. I, I, I'm expectant of what the Holy Spirit is doing among us. I love hearing what God is doing among us. And I love seeing what God is doing among us. And I, again and again, God shows that he's doing a thing which we don't, we can't manage. We can't control. So I'm going to, Leave some space and, and just invite the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. Even now to, to say, Lord, let's walk humbly with you. Let's be still in your presence. So as you're sat here, maybe there's just, there's just one thing that God is wanting to settle into your heart. One thing that God is wanting to make land for you. This is the way 
a miracle worker, God works. It'll be different for each of us, but what is the Holy Spirit saying? Come, Holy Spirit. If you're uncomfortable with the quietness, just, just go with what God is doing. Can you just stop one second? Can we get the handheld mic? Do you mind? Um, hold that thought. Come back to it. What Glenn said was amazing. Uh, it was about, for those of you who might be watching online, it was about just God holding our hand. And like you, your mother led you across the, the road. And I just don't want, because it was a powerful thing what you said. And yeah. So uh, just, just get the handheld mic. But yeah. Holding God's hand. He'll hold your hand, he'll lead you across. That's basically what he was saying, wasn't it? Yeah. So we've got Philip's going to say something. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, the point about walking with God uh, I think is very powerful. And uh, I've been reading a book just recently by a Japanese theologian called The Three Mile an Hour God. And uh, yeah, it makes me think especially when I've got a car that will do 140 miles an hour, that I might need to slow down sometimes and uh, be patient because God wants to walk at that slow speed, three miles an hour, with us. And that's what he loves to do. <coughs> and we're in too much of a hurry sometimes to keep his pace. Thank you. I've also been reading a book <laughs> like Philip and I'm just about to finish a book by an author I've never read before 
but everybody's probably heard of him, Russell Brand. Um, and his, um, his vocabulary is quite colorful. But um, the insight that he has on um, how as human beings um, it is difficult for us to cope with the kind of modern day environment that we live in with social media and all the pressures. And as you were talking about earlier, Dan, those um, rabbit holes that we all go down, whether it be on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or TikTok or whatever, it's so simple and, and, and very difficult sometimes to resist. Thing is, is that our heads, our brains, and our spirits are not equipped to be dealing, living in that fantasy world. And when we're doing that, we're not engaging with each other uh, or outside walking, looking at big blue skies and open spaces. That's what, that's what heals our mental health. And, you know, just tying into what you've said is that we need time to get away from all that and just rest in the divine. Rest in the divine presence of God who is so clearly here this morning. Amen. I sense that gentle breeze on my head. Hallelujah. And that oil just dripping down as we were worshiping and God is here, we're in the divine. And just to sum up, this is right here, this moment, is the opportunity that people have just to give themselves away to God. Wow. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about um, when you said about looking back and encouraging ourselves in what's happened before. It reminds us of who God is and what he's capable of. Um, and I don't know why I thought of this particular scenario that happened. Um, when I came back to the Lord, I was living with my now husband um, and had been for many years. Um, he was absolutely adamant that he wouldn't get married. And um, I certainly didn't want to get married again. But I felt when I, the Lord blessed me again, that I either had to leave him or a situation needed to occur where he might leave me or we'd get married. I felt that was the only way forward. Um, that may not be the case for other people, but that was how I felt. And I prayed and prayed that the Lord would either um, take Paul down another journey away from me or that he would suddenly and weirdly want to get married to me. Um, and we were driving on holiday. We were driving down um, the road from Bala to Dolgethley. And I can remember the exact moment that he suddenly turned to me and said, should we get married? 
<laughs> and I just cried my eyes out <laughs> because God had clearly made, given me the answer to my prayers. And I couldn't do anything about it. Um, I couldn't tell Paul to go and I couldn't make him marry me. Um, so it was holy God. And um, that always encourages me, that story. If I'm in a bind and um, I don't know which way to turn, then you just have to ask the Lord because he'll make the way straight. Thank you, Jennifer. Claire, well, Claire had something to share. I, think. Mm. Um, I started a new pilgrimage this week, and as we were leaving Southwark Church, um, Barbara, our 83-year-old walk leader, who I can't keep up with, um, she walked out the gate and she said, um, let us walk and let us show him, let him show us the way. And she said it very powerfully and I thought that was a very powerful image to carry through the week. And at the beginning of the week, at the beginning of a pilgrimage, we are full of energy and we are full of that willingness to show love. But as the week goes on, certainly for me, I find that my positive reinforcement powers weaken and I start being grumpy with the children I teach. But I think, I felt this week, it is about trust. And if I trust, if we trust and keep that trust that we have at the beginning of the week, all week, that he will give us mm. the strength to show love to the people that need it because mm. there are so many <laughs> that need that love wow. and need to be reached. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was wonderfully blessed by the song from the choir when the part says, Oh, what an unending, reckless love of God that we, we don't deserve it. And it's not just a song, it's like a daily experience for each and every one of us. God's love upon our life is unending. God's love upon our life is unbelievable. Like, he cares for us more than we can imagine. And something happened, um, that was, I can't remember the particular day, but pastor came to visit us in our house. And my husband said that he had a prayer that his visits would bring us, like, a testimony. And absolutely that day, I got a remarkable testimony. I don't want to go into detail, but Bible says that when, whatever we do to the list of his brethren, that we do unto him. So just welcoming him and feeling happy that he came around brought us good news. Praise God. Oh, wow. Amazing. Thank you. Wow. Come on, let's keep Alistair walking. Um, no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, that's great. Great what God is doing among us. So just this morning we declare release, freedom for the captives, comfort for those who are struggling. Um, I'm full of Sue in China. Commit her to you and all the family. Lord, you are a God of love and a God of compassion. And your love is never ending. 
So Lord, we pray that even this week we'll be utterly surprised and amazed about what you're going to do. You're going to engineer things we can't, it can't, can't predict. Things are going to fall into place that we'll only be able to see that it was you in, when we look in the rearview mirror. You're going to confound us, astound us. You are our God. And Lord, where we're perhaps taking steps in the wrong direction, we pray you'd gently guide us and lead us. I want to thank you that you continue to walk with us. We think of footprints, that poem where there were one set of footprints. Where were you, Lord? Well, I was carrying you at that time. Walk humbly with your God. Walk at three miles an hour with your God. 